But what is important and what we cannot do today, because not both part of the population is represented when we do assessment of the safety of new cars, is to have both part of the population represented and see how well both parts are protected. Urban Jungle brings stories from people around the globe that design and build a better world. I am Magda Flores and this is Urban Jungle. Welcome. Did you know that where we live and how we interact affects our well-being? Yet, when we talk about well-being, we tend to talk about me. Well-being is about we, the community and the environment we live in. It is time to shift the paradigm from me to we. Check out the Urban Wellbeing Training courses developed in partnership with the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management at www.siwem.org. This is an interview with Astrid Linder, Professor of Traffic Safety at the Swedish National Road and Transport Research Institute, VTI, and Adjunct Professor at Chalmers University. Linder is an expert in biomechanics, and road injury prevention. And this is really something to be very proud about. Astrid is also in the BBC 100 Women 2023 list. Wow, what an honor. Hello, Astrid. Hello, thank you very much for <laughs> inviting me here. My pleasure. Today we will be talking about traffic safety, particularly for women. But as you know, we start by finding out where you are. So if you could share a place you like to visit near where you are, please. Yes, I, I'm happy to do that. I can share with you where I was yesterday, because yesterday I was out doing one of my favorite activities, and that is sea kayaking. So I was out in the ocean, sea kayaking, and here in Sweden it's winter and it was minus 10, 12 degrees yesterday. So when we came back to the harbor, we have to sort of break the ice in order to get into shore. So that is a place that I, yeah, want to share with you and where I like to be. Oh, my word. So you physically and genuinely break the ice. Yes. <laughs> I can only imagine the beauty. So maybe you should share some photos with us, please. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about how you decided to specialize in biomechanics. What was your journey that led you all the way into road injury prevention? Yes, the journey started when I did a Master of Science in Engineering Physics. And uh, before that, I had uh, worked as a, a technician. So I have a practical and theoretical technical background. And so I was uh, looking for a position in the area of product development. So that was my focus. And that, there was an ad in the newspaper for a position as a PhD student at Chalmers to be one of two PhD students where we developed the first low severity re-impact dummy for the assessment of in particular protection from whiplash injuries, soft tissue in neck injuries that you can sustain in low severity crashes. So I applied for that position and I got it. And um, as part of the PhD, I also did a, 
a big uh, literature review. And then I found out that women were actually less well protected than men. You could see that in the injury statistics from 1960s and onwards. And we did a model of an average male, uh, the BioRid, which is a dummy that is sold and, and used globally today, sold by Humanetics. So then I thought, after having done this first step, doing a model of an average male, because we based it on models that were for all the crash severities were available, the next logical step, according to the injury statistics, would be to make a model of the part of the population just that was less well protected in these crashes. And this was 1999. Wow. So 1999, and it's taking us this time. But what, what I find really amazing is by 1999, we had already been driving for what, um, 60, 80 years? Mm -hmm. uh, that blows my mind. I'm trying to think, does that mean that the scientists and the engineers developing cars have not realized that women have a slightly different body? Yeah, some of the engineers are, are females, so <laughs> it's not only... <laughs> so this is uh, both males and females uh, are, are in this topic. Uh, I don't think it's about not not knowing that we have to... Yeah, uh, for example, fashion industry know this very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we are designing clothes and so on. Yeah, somehow it, it hadn't... It's not that it's uh, unknown. It's not that it's unknown that we are born with different sexes and that we have different geometry and so on. And the reason, as I see it, that it hadn't materialized itself in and being part of our testing is probably most that it's not uh, wasn't or still isn't considered as important enough. But what do statistics tell us? I mean, what is the rate of um, damage to a woman if there's a bad collision? Yeah, first of all, there is not one rate because it depends on the type of crash you look at, the type of injury. And uh, it's also, of course, important that you compare crashes with similar circumstances if you want to compare males and females. But in general, if you look at all fatalities and injuries and everything, then on average, there's a 50% higher risk for females than for males. Right. So is it to do with the driver? You're looking at drivers. Uh, it's not necessarily so that it has to do with if you're a driver or a passenger. And there's a, many studies, of course, with only drivers. And there you see the see also these differences so yeah the there in your statistics shows us that there is something to be picked up and what we need to do is to identify the best performing vehicles when they are new so now we are talking about what you can see in in your statistics and you can say oh yeah but what, what about this car and in this crash but what is important and what we cannot do today because not both part of the population is represented when we do assessment of the safety of new cars is to do exactly that, to have both part of the population represented and see how well 
both parts are protected. So how did you convince your teams to actually begin to look at developing a female dummy that had the characteristics that you were looking for? Oh, yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, I, yeah, the funding situation for researchers in different parts of the world and, and in different organizations is, of course, different. I work in an organization that is funded by external projects. So you have to find funding for what you're doing. Then you can do the research. <laughs> so. Oh, dear. So it's, it's an extra layer of difficulty. Yes. Yeah. First, of course, you, you need to identify what is of uh, high importance to do. But, but that is in itself not enough. Because in order to get some actions and, and to get together a team, you need to pay their salaries. Of course. <laughs> yes. And that you do by, by getting external funding. I have both been successful in getting, uh, but not only successful, <laughs> a lot of failures also, in getting national funding, Swedish national funding, and but also two larger EU-funded projects that I have coordinated. Because it doesn't only take the effort to, of course, identify the call and prepare the, the proposal. You also need to coordinate the project, which has, in these cases, been much larger than, you know, only looking at females, because that is has often been considered as too narrow scope, you know, put it in a bigger context. So then you work broadly with a lot of different organizations, companies, uh, governmental agencies, testing institutes, and so on, and, and other researchers uh, come together. So you are also a stakeholder manager, yes. hoping to keep all these different balls in the air with all these different people. Yes, yeah, that's what you do as project manager or coordinator, so, yeah. So it is a very, very complete role and the automotive industry is going to benefit a lot. Everybody benefits. We do. Uh, and all the work that I have done has been done together with also car manufacturers and suppliers. So, of course, you do this together already when you prepare the proposal. And once the project is up and running, then you, you do it together. So uh, one of the partner, a partner for, uh, in all of the projects has been uh, Volvo, but also other, other vehicle manufacturers have been in advisory boards connected, like Toyota and, and others have been connected to the activities. And then you have a broad dialogue with everybody, not only the partners, but also, uh, so you have a dialogue because you want the results and uh, to be as good as possible and one way to do that is to have a dialogue and take on board concerns or where there's room for improvement but also in order to have the dialogue so that everybody knows that this is available these tools are available you can use them and so on so what we did in the last project activities that i had coordinated was actually to also do everything we did open source because we not only done the models of, of there was female and male physically but also virtual models and then they are open source so that everybody can use them so they are open source models that generate data 
that in a way the different automotive industry can use to adjust seat belts or adjust the seat and the whole impact in design. Yeah, it's, it's open source models of the human body to be used in simulations because we do both physical testing, but also, of course, simulations of the different scenarios. In simulations, you can do broader range of scenarios than you then can do in testing. And that's how also we do development today. We start with models in the computer and then we go to the lab or the workshop and then we produce right so the same goes with the development of safety we are talking about a development that has taken the best part of 20 years yes wow <laughs> many congratulations this is huge this is huge because it helps us all be safer and what's the impact then in terms of the trend in self-driving vehicles we hope that in the future, we all aim at, with different techniques, that less crashes shall occur. And the crashes that occur should be of reduced severity. And to do that, we have, for example, things like autonomous brake and things like that. And we also have the hopes and expectations that vehicles without drivers will have even less crashes. But we need to ensure that we are protected until the injury statistics shows us that crashes do not occur. And today, 1.35 million people are killed every year uh, globally. And we have many times more, like between 20 and 50 millions with with the injuries. Before those figures are are close to zero, both of them, <laughs> uh, we are not there yet. That is an amazing thing to target. Well, that's that what we have to do, <laughs> and we can. Yes, <laughs> and that's the beauty of it all, isn't it? Having yes. all the systems and all the funding <laughs> and all the effort in the right direction, because now that your dummy and the modeling is out there, people begin to think, oh, probably we need to inject more funding. Maybe. <laughs> we will see. Hopefully. <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> no, but there, you, you're right. There, there is a lot of work to be done. And hopefully the effect will be that we see that the funding is available for various groups all over the world to take on this task because there's a lot to be done. Oh, certainly. And please tell me, what were you doing when you received the news about being in the list of the BBC 100 Women 2023? Do you remember? Oh, that's a good question. It was a regular day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but do you believe it? I mean, was it one more email, one more phone call? Uh, yeah. You know, as... An announcement like this comes with a dialogue that is under uh, embargo. So I knew a couple of weeks before that, uh, or I had been asked if I accepted a nomination in an email. And I remember when I received that email. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, it was, I was in my car and I was waiting for a ferry to take me to a workshop where I make Greenland kayak out of wood and it's called skin on frame. So it's a special 
that type of, of kayak. That exact moment I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, because that must have been a little bit unexpected, a little bit out of the blue. Absolutely. And, you know, as we all get a, a range of, of different types of emails and some are junk or not to, to look at more. And so when you get an email like this, you read it through, or I read it through thoroughly and um, double checked and Googled and okay, yeah, it seems to like this exists. <laughs> yeah, is this real? <laughs> is someone trying to wind me up? <laughs> yeah, you know, because we all get these offers, like uh, there's a million uh, waiting in the bag for you, please, uh, and so on. <laughs> yes. Oh, many, many congratulations. Thank you. That is something very, very nice. So would you like to share three things that you have learned? You know, it could be anything about your life, about your work, uh, three things that we can benefit from. Oh, it was uh, unexpected, but... Uh, it doesn't have to be three. It could be more or less. Yeah, I, sometimes I get the question, what is most important, like in your work and, and so on. And that I have done some thinking around. And what is most important is people. Wow. Wow. And what barriers have you had to break? Have you felt that there has been something that you have worked on and that tenacity has allowed you to move to the next level? Of course, working in an area where you don't find a lot of funding, <laughs> then, then that is, or that does limit what you can do, of course. But I also have to, if there is no funding, then you have to do other things for some time and then come back to the question and, and, and so on. So that's one barrier, but... Um, Barriers, I don't know. We talked about it before, why this has not been highlighted and acknowledged before. There are, to my understanding, that it says that also it's it's not important enough. It's not that it's not important and it's, it's not that we should do something, but there are so many other things that is more important and that we need to do even more and and I think this is a challenge in all times that you are aware of that there are so many big things that we never <laughs> one person can never be involved in like address climate change or make an end to war or stop pollution or plastic or yeah you know there's so many things and at the same time, we need to take small steps in all areas and, and be active in all areas. So it's about balancing this. Yes, there are big questions that we need to address, but we also need to do a lot of other things. So, so And this falls in the category of a lot of other things, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I suppose enjoy oneself, isn't it? You enjoy your kayaking and that must help you put things into perspective, you know, find the frustration of not getting the funding for what you considered relevant many years ago. And then you see a sunrise and you enjoy going through the ice and then you think, okay, let's focus on something else. Now let's go back to the question uh, a few years later and keep going. Yeah, I think you're very right. And, and 
And that is, but but also there, it's about people because going out in a kayak in the middle of the wind and going through the ice, you don't do that on your own because you know it, if something happens and then you go, then you need to have some friends around you. And but so it's also again, it's about people. It's a, it's about having people around you, bouncing ideas, um, getting a break, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then you find new energy. So how many of you go out kayaking? Because that is a little bit mad, you have to admit. I mean, not many people do that. No, that, uh, especially not in the winter. But we are, we are a group. <laughs> <laughs> or I have some friends. <laughs> Enough to make a bunch. <laughs> you obviously use a special suit, you know, a neoprene suit, a dry suit. Yeah, a dry suit. Brilliant. Do you get to see wildlife when you go kayaking? What do you see? Yeah, you know, what it, what is fantastic in the winter in particular, because we have a very beautiful archipelago here outside Gothenburg, where I live, on the west coast of Sweden. And in the summertime, there is, of course, a lot of people out there, but also a lot of boats with engines and noise. So when you go out there in the wintertime, you saw two boats yesterday. Uh, one was a towboat because there's a big harbor and the other one was a sailing boat that was transporting itself to different harbor. And and that's all. It's You have it all to yourself and the wildlife is very, very relaxed. So you see seals, see small dolphin lie, of course birds. So you're there together and visiting them. And they are curious on you, will be following you when you are kayaking and then checking out and then, okay, yeah, now we know, yeah, we go this way, you go that way. <laughs> very nice. Really, it sounds really appealing. But um, yeah, one would have to be very brave, you know, <laughs> say, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out in the cold. <laughs> yeah, it takes some planning. Yes, I can imagine. Okay, fantastic. So can I ask, what is your next project? What project will you be working in 2023, 2024? Yeah, uh, it's already 24, right? <laughs> Sorry, what, what project will you be getting involved in in 2024, 2025? No, no, that's fine. Yeah, and the simple answer is it depends on the funding. Okay, yes. So we just finalized the big project where the average female model was developed, the physical one. Yeah, we have an equivalent also male model and the other tools that I told you about before. So the question is what funding is available and how we can take this forward? And in particular, what is closest is, of course, to use these models in different seats and compare them to real life. Uh, outcome. There are statistics that shows real life outcome for different car models, for example. So then you, you pick different seats. But then you also need to have funding for to do those tests and, and to publish them. That is from a research point of view. Then I'm also involved in there's an initiative from the Swedish government addressing regulation and equality in, in terms of the assessment of safety. That's the governmental agency in Sweden that is responsible for this, that is sharing this, this group in the UNECDE. And there I'm one of the experts connected to this. Uh, it's, not, it's not a task of VTI or, or me, but I'm available to share my, my knowledge there. So things like that I do. Superb. And to get in touch with you, Astrid Linder. Uh, send me a mail. 
theastrid.linder at vti.se. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep, that's correct. This is Urban Jungle with your host, Magda Flores. Thanks for joining. And if there is a topic or people you would like to hear from, all you have to do is drop me a line. My email address is urbanwsolutions at gmail.com. your help. Be part of the solution. Check out our training courses on urban well-being. Developed in partnership with SIWEM, the UK's Chartered Institute of Water and Environmental Management at www.siwem.org.